Business Brief, Missouri Business Alerts podcast focused on the news and issues shaping the state. In this episode, we'll look at one company's efforts to make a small Missouri town into a major destination for winemaking. Then, we'll feature a discussion on how small businesses can confront the unique issues labor shortages pose for them. Welcome to this first episode of Business Brief. My name is DC Benincasa. I'm joined today by my co-host Ian Laird. Hey, how have you been? I've been great. A mix of nerves and excitement heading into this final semester of college, but it feels good to be back. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I'm looking forward to working on a Missouri Business Alert podcast again. It'll be exciting to try something a little different this year, a weekly show with news and interviews focused on businesses and the economy here in Missouri. All right, you ready to get into things? Yep. First, let's look at this week's headlines. The Biden administration withdrew its COVID-19 vaccination and testing mandate for businesses. The move comes after the Supreme Court blocked the rule earlier this month. The proposal would have forced employees of businesses with 100 or more workers to get vaccinated or submit a negative test weekly. In more local news, Kansas City Health IT company Cerner has disclosed some more details about its impending sale to Oracle. Information about the so-called golden parachutes or exit packages for some top-level executives was released. Cerner Chief Executive David Feinberg could receive nearly $22 million in the deal after taking the position less than four months ago. And two Missouri counties are trying to overturn a 2019 Missouri law that prevents local governments from setting tighter rules than the states in regulating concentrated animal feeding operations, or CAFOs. Critics of the law argue that CAFO's operations pollute the surrounding community's groundwater, requiring extra regulation from counties. Cedar and Cooper counties filed an appeal to the Missouri Supreme Court Wednesday. And as employers struggle to hire and adjust to the new labor market created by the pandemic, H&R Block is giving employees a vacation. The Kansas City-based tax services company announced Wednesday that it will give all employees a full week of paid time off in the first week of July. The company plans to make it a tradition moving forward, calling the PTO an annual reboot. All right, DC, what's up with our first story? Augusta, a small town near St. Louis, has been making some significant changes recently to try and boost the community's economy. How have they tried to do that? One company has been purchasing properties in an attempt to turn the town into a tourist destination for wine lovers in the future. Jack Knowlton has more on the town and its businesses. Just off of Highway 94, a two-lane road rolls through the Missouri Hills into the quiet 300-person town of Augusta. However, this quiet town has been making some noise recently. A company with ties to the area is hoping to turn Augusta and the surrounding area into the next Napa Valley. Since they announced an initial $100 million investment into Augusta back in January 2021, the Hoffman family of companies, run by David and Jerry Hoffman, have acquired over 15 businesses in and around Augusta. With the Hoffmans' big plans for the area, they are certainly set to have a large impact on already existing businesses. However, those businesses have not yet felt a major change. It's changed, but it hasn't changed, if that makes sense. This is Vicki Oxford, a manager at Balducci Vineyards. She says that while the Hoffmans have made some improvements, the vineyard staff and practices have not seen a major overhaul. Um, a lot of good changes, like updates to the property and a lot of things, you know, fixed that we need to fix. But, you know, they kept the whole staff, so we're all still here. Jessica O'Connor is the general manager of marketing at Augusta Winery. 
She says the Hoffmans not only want to acquire properties, but also establish a new standard to create a thriving tourist destination. They have a standard of, you know, like, just how you want your property to look to people coming in. So, um, to keep it all kind of unanimous within all of their properties, that's where you see the plaques on the wall, so you know when you walk up to that business what to expect, like the best of the best. While the Hoffman acquisitions could boost local business and traffic to the area, some residents are afraid that it will change the town's quiet lifestyle. Lynn Hofer helps operate Emporium, a local store that many residents of Augusta rely on for groceries and other goods so they're not forced to drive out of town. Emporium was also acquired by the Hoffman family of companies. All the business owners couldn't be happier, but um, I think the local people who have been born and raised here, who have deep, deep roots, they're, they're apprehensive. They're afraid that it's going to get too commercial. They're afraid that Highway 94 is going to get too busy. They're afraid that there's going to be more accidents on Highway 94 with people drinking and, and being crowded. So I would say it's probably 50-50, probably less than that, probably less than 50% against. However, Hofer says that the family's commitment to improving business quality will have a positive impact on the town. It's contagious. Uh, every time a uh, Hoffman property cleans up, gets a coat of paint, fixes a stone wall, you can see that it, the neighbors are cleaning up. I think it's going to be a good partnership all the way around for businesses, hopefully homeowners, hopefully, you know, long-time deep-rooted locals will start to appreciate it. I think, you know, once they see that it's not going to be too commercialized. O'Connor says that while not all of the moves by the Hoffman family have been embraced, they seem open to feedback. So um, at one point in time, I know there were plans for a helipad, and that was a huge stir, which obviously is no longer going to happen in the middle of town. So yeah, there's been some pushback, but they're really excellent at listening and evolving and working with, you know, whatever they can do to help it be beneficial for everybody involved. We're already seeing traffic from the attention that we're getting because of the acquisitions and the improvements getting made in the area. Um, I think it's just really exciting for people to see it here, like, you know, right in the backyard of St. Louis and not that far from Columbia and Jefferson City and Kansas City and all that. So um, definitely we are expecting to see an influx of traffic next year. The Hoffman family of companies have even larger visions for Augusta and the surrounding area. In addition to what they've done so far, plans for a hotel, five-star restaurant, even a zipline are in the works. The Hoffmans have already put their stamp on the small town of Augusta and are clearly hoping to move forward with even more ambitious projects in order to turn the area into the next Napa Valley. Thank you again to Jack Knowlton and everyone he talked to and worked with for that story. For more on the Hoffman family of companies' efforts in Augusta, Check out our story on MissouriBusinessAlert.com. That was really interesting to hear about that push-and-pull dynamic between the businesses and citizens within the Augusta community and how they are reacting to the Hoffmans. I think that is something we could see continue to develop in a lot of smaller Missouri communities, especially as we keep hearing about the death of small-town America. Like these towns just finding a way to survive, whether that means converting to being all-in on a certain business model or allowing outside influences to take on a more prominent economic role. Definitely. Now, we turn to our next story. The labor shortage across the country has been a well-documented issue for much of the past several months. With businesses struggling to find workers, Emily Hood spoke with Tiffany Slater about the job market for small businesses specifically. Slater is the CEO of HR TaylorMade, a St. Charles company that provides human resources services to small businesses. 
so she has a close-up view of the current hiring environment. Here is some of that conversation. So today I am joined by the CEO of HR TaylorMade, Tiffany Slater. Thank you so much for being here. So to start off here, can you just tell me a little bit about your work at HR TaylorMade? Yeah, so HR TaylorMade is the HR solution for small businesses. We serve as the human resources department for small organizations. So essentially, whatever you see being done in large organizations, by a human resources department. That's what we do, but we do it for small businesses on the virtual uh, basis. So can you tell me a little bit about how we got into this moment and the factors that have contributed to this current crazy labor market? You know, have we really experienced anything like this before? We've not experienced anything like this before. Um, and, And what makes this different is that the the employees, our team members are really in control right now. Honestly, this is something that has been happening over several years and decades. As we continue to increase the number of hours that people work, as we continue to um, reduce the amount of benefit, the amount of care and concern that we have shown and displayed to people in the workplace. It got us to a point where when COVID hit, people really learned how to survive on less. They realized that they don't have to work all day, all week, all month, all year in order to feel self-worth. People honestly decided to um, place more value on themselves and their self-worth and their self-care. That's how we got here. Since we're speaking particularly about small business owners here, how can small businesses in particular be impacted by a tight labor market like this one? Because we are small, we do feel the impact at a greater level because a large organization can absorb losing 10% of their workforce. They can absorb that within um, the, the thousands of employees that they already have. But if we are a team of 10 and losing one person is challenging for a small organization, let alone losing two or three. So when we lose people, we feel it immediately and we are scrambling to try to figure out how to prevent our clients or customers from feeling that void that now exists as a result of not having those roles filled. Now, you touched on kind of the disadvantages that can come from small businesses with small teams losing employees. But in this current labor market, do small business owners have any advantages over larger companies in terms of hiring and maintaining staff? I think that we do have an advantage because we are, we can be a little more flexible than large organizations. Small business owners, we understand for the most part that our people can make or break our success. And so finding a way to support our teams, I've seen small business owners bend over backwards to find ways to make things happen for their teams. And are there any special places or resources small business owners could look for employees or people to fill roles right now? I don't know that they're special, but I would definitely say that um, a lot of times we forget that 
contractors are an option. So if we have a position that hasn't been filled and we're just really having a hard time filling that role, hire a contractor and continue to look for that right person. Don't feel like you have to rush into hiring, get a contractor, and then continue to search for the right person to be a permanent part of your team. Some of the other things that you could do is hire people on a part-time basis. Be okay with them working 10 hours a week. Get a couple part-timers so that you can fill those full-time voids. And perhaps one of those part-time individuals will turn out to be a great candidate for a full-time role. This is the million dollar question I think that everyone wants answered right now, but how do you think this labor shortage is going to end? COVID has really changed the workforce in a positive way. I really think that individuals having more control right now is going to make it better for many people because organizations have to do things differently. Unfortunately, I don't think that because we are the way that we are in the United States, I don't think that the, the desire for us to work 24 hours a day is going to change. That is all the time we have. And Tiffany, thank you so much again for joining me today. Thank you. Some insightful information there from Tiffany Slater. Like Slater said, I forget about contractors a lot, and using them as a temporary stopgap for the ongoing labor shortage seems like a smart solution. Although I wonder how their pricing has changed with potentially increased demand. Yeah, that could be an interesting follow-up. Another thing Slater highlighted was how this period could be beneficial to workers by kind of showing the power that employees have. We've only just started to see that manifest with changes and improvements for workers' rights. I wouldn't be surprised if we see further changes in the coming months. And finally, before we end things, we will leave you with our terms of the week. What's your term for this week, DC? My term this week is union. What made you pick that? The Bureau of Labor Statistics reported union membership was cut last year in Missouri. Now only 9% of the state's workers are represented by a union. What could this decline mean moving forward for union and non-union workers? Well, the department said union workers earned 20% more than non-union workers last year, meaning a decline in unionization could impact wages for all Missourians. What about you? What's your term of the week? Mine is sheltered workshops. What are those? A sheltered workshop is a facility where people with disabilities are given the opportunity to work. I hadn't heard of that before. How has it been received? There's actually some contention over their use within Missouri. As Skylar Laird reported for the Columbia Missourian, Missouri has the second highest number of workshops in the country, and the average pay was half of the state's minimum wage last year. For some, this is seen as a system built on inequalities and unfair treatment, while for some workers and their families, they are seen as a last resort for people who might otherwise not be given any opportunities. All right, that just about wraps things up for this episode. Feels good to get back in the saddle and get into a kind of routine with this. Me too. Thank you once again to everyone that helped contribute to this episode. For my co-host, Ian Laird, assistant producers Kaylee Anagita and Christian McDonald, and editors Kaylee DeRook, Jack Knowlton, James Marshall, and Wicker Perlis, I'm DC Benincasa. This has been Business Brief. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.